Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. took uh, my boys out um, to gather, see if we could find some morales and some morals, you know, all of them, <laughs> see, see if we could get it all in there. Um, and it was funny because we found like a, I mean, a good sized bowl full of them in like 10 minutes. And then we wandered around the woods for another hour and we found like four more. <laughs> and it was funny because me and my dad got joking. And uh, it inspired this message. Um, it's a little bit different message of how he used to get it to me um, than he normally does. Normally, I just open my mouth and words come out, and he does that. It's probably the same sounding message that I always have, but it's just neat, um, kind of how he gave it to me. But I was asking my dad, I go, what makes you take another step after so many steps of not finding anything? And he goes, it's like fishing. Just one more cast. <laughs> and we got to laughing and joking about the one more cast, one last cast. I said, man, that's a sermon right there. And I didn't know how true that statement was yet until the next morning he woke me up at 3 in the morning and I was irritated. <laughs> I was like, I just want to go to sleep. And uh, I said, Lord, okay, if you woke me up, I'm okay with it. But you got to start talking to me. And he downloaded a bunch of corny one-liners to me about one last cast and some real deep revelation of one more cast. Um, so it's, it's kind of neat. And as you can see, I even have a shirt that says one more cast for the disciples in the boat. You know, uh, um, that my dad actually, he was so encouraged by what we just talked about that he, uh, he had a shirt made for us. <laughs> and I don't know if he knew how serious I was about the message at that point. It was good. Um, so one thing that I want to talk about is kind of in Luke 5. I mean, it's in some other Gospels too. But I'm going to just dive into the Word, see where he takes us here. But in Luke 5, 1, it says, Four fishermen called as disciples. It says, So it was as the multitude pressed out about him to hear the Word of God that he's, let me switch this over, sorry. I like the NLT for reading purposes. Um, so it says, the first disciples. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the waters. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he had said, now, now go where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And at this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear and shout for help. 
Sorry, I didn't know I'd get emotional at this part yet. <laughs> that emotion, I think, is later on in the message, but I'm feeling it. So, a shout for help brought their parent partners into the other boat, and soon the boats were all filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And the one thing I can pull out of there, Simon was a master fisherman. He wasn't an average fisherman. He wasn't like Lucas and I last night, just hoping and praying that there's a fish down there. He knew where to go. He knew the places. That's what he did for a living, not for a hobby. And here comes this carpenter. <laughs> Let's get this. A carpenter comes in and goes, Let's try it again. And he's like, oh, man, we've done this all night. And I'm not sure. It doesn't really read attitude, but I wonder if there was attitude from Simon. Sure. Let's do it for you. <laughs> Jesus wasn't known yet, right? So I don't know. That might be just my thinking in, in them. But basically, Jesus told him, I know you've seen some things out there. I know it's easy to get on what you've experienced. But if you would just cast one more, one more cast. And maybe you might just be surprised. And I think they were surprised because it says that it goes on and says that Simon dropped down and said, Lord, I'm not even worthy to be around you. For I'm a sinner. And he goes... I'm going to teach you how to be a fisher of men, not just a fisherman. And if you listen to what I'm saying to you, you won't have to get hung up on those logs like you do. You won't have to wash the nets like you think you need to. I've come with the kingdom of God, and it is entirely different than what you've experienced up to this far. And he proved it time and time and time again how different his kingdom was than what we've been taught in, what we've been grown up into, what we've fished in our own experience. Because I, I fished a lot of my life. And I remember when he was giving me the vision of Love Does, he showed me at the end of the pier with my own fishing pole. And he told me in that little vision that he gave me, he said, I never taught you to fish that way. He said, I told you to cast your net. And you're out here by yourself, hoping that you can find the right way. And here's the cool thing. Here's the great news is Jesus didn't say there's a decent way. There's a way. He says, I am the way. It's so, it's so made simple for us. I mean, the Bible even says there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but it leads to destruction. And then he comes back in, in the Gospels and he says, but if you hold on to my teachings, my teachings, Jesus says, my teachings, not the ones you've been taught with, not the ones that you caught, not the ones that hurt you. If you hold on to what I'm saying, then you will be my disciples and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's where it gets tough, though, because there's a lot of truths in our lives, right? The truth could be 
that we still sin every day. That could be a truth, but it's not his truth. He said, go and sin no more. That is his truth. So we either say, but Jesus, my truth speaks louder than your truth. Or we can go, you know what? I've finally seen the truth. And when truth comes on the scene, darkness has to flee. All ignorance, everything that, that is contrary onto the word of God has got to flee out of you. It's why Jesus, when he came on the scene, the, ignorant, the ignorance of the demons in people would tremble at Jesus because he so knew the truth of what he was here for. That they exposed themselves instead of him having to expose them. They go, Lord, what are you doing interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, get out of them. Oh, it's so deep. It's so good. He's so good. But to me, it puts us back into the garden, right? The garden was a lie at the beginning, right? The first lie was... Did God really say that? No, what God meant was you would be more like him and you would know good from evil. That's the first lie, because we were created in the image of God. We were already with him. And that's what every war's been fought about. That's what I know good better than you do, and I'll kill you for it. It happens even in our churches is I know good better than you know good. Instead of just knowing him. You know, I say it all the time, but it's in the word of God all the time. Eternal life is this, that you might know me, the one true God. But the problem is, is we do, we cast on things. And we get beat up. We get hung up on things. And Jesus is going, one more cast. And what we do, that's a strong statement. What tends to happen through us, let me put it that way. What tends to happen in our lives is we go, Lord, but one more cast. And he's going, no, 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 no. Cast on that side of the boat. And we go, no, 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 no. I just just want one more drink. Just one more and then I'll do good. I want one one more snack and then I'll do better. I want one more time just to let loose, and then I'll come to you. And we cast at the wrong things. And when we reel it in and we get what we casted for, we blame God for it. Same thing that Adam and Eve did to him in the garden. He said, Adam, where art thou? Who told you you were naked? He said, it was that woman you made If you wouldn't have made her, I wouldn't have done it. Then he goes to Eve, and she said, it's that serpent you made, and if you wouldn't have made him, I wouldn't have done it. We're blaming God for our own cast. He's going, quit casting over there. I never even told you to cast that way. So get in our... I'm sorry, there's just so much there that I don't want to get in his way of what he's trying to teach us in this moment. 
And I can even get into when we actually do finally go, all right, Lord, where do you want us to cast? And he sends this troubled soul our way. Cast over, and they beat us up. They beat up us with emotions. They tear us down. We put our life aside to help them out, and they don't do what we had hoped for them to do. So we set an expectation that they should bite what lure we're putting in front of them, and he never said worry about that part. He said just cast it. Just do it. See what happens. Lay your expectations aside. So then we get hard and we go, don't, we tell everybody, don't, don't cast over there. You'll get hurt over there. How can we be so guarded from people that we've been called to love? And love keeps no record of wrongs. No account to the wrong done to it. It suffers. It's patient. It endures through all things, bears through all things. Love never fails. But it shows that potentially we could be using the wrong bait on our lines. Maybe we're casting out selfishness. I'm not putting anything on us, but just maybe we should think about, are we casting it in a selfish way? Are we casting so that we could maybe get a better reputation with God even? Are we casting it? Because the one thing that he says, if you want to be my disciple, if, basically if you want to cast with me and listen to me, you have to listen to me. But first, before we do any of this, let's get this out of the way. You, you can't bring yourself. You have to deny that part. And then he says some off-the-wall stuff. He gets all these multitudes of crowds, and he goes, you know what? Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you'll have no part with me. Could you imagine somebody really saying that? He wants me to eat his flesh? What a weird guy. Like, <laughs> he is John the Baptist's cousin. <laughs> Dude's out there eating locusts and honey. I have to say this part. I know it's a little tangent. But you ever think of John the Baptist? Like, he had, like, dirty hair. He ate locusts and honey. And he says, the kingdom of God is coming. And he's probably got, like, bits of locusts stuck with honey. Crazy-looking guy. <laughs> Repent. God doesn't always send who you want. He doesn't always use the prettiest person. The bait might not look even appetizing to you. But it's all about knowing who said it. Who's holding the fishing pole, not the bait. And I can even go into things that tear my heart up. Because sometimes we do get the authority to hold the pole, right? And we start reeling that, oh, and we can tell it's a good one. It even comes up almost on the shore as if anybody's fished. You ever see a fish kind of just barely graze the water and you see what's on your line and it's like, woo! See the potential in this thing coming in. 
and you get it all the way on the shore, and it, all of a sudden the lure comes out, and it's flapping around, and you're trying to run down there and grab it, and it gets back in. We can do that in our own lives, trying to do what God asks us to do, and worry about the one that got away. And that one hurts my heart probably the most. I have a few that got away. But here's where he showed me something very awesome. He said, Daryl, they're still in the lake. They're not gone. Why don't you get some people and take that net over there? Because he probably ain't going to bite again. So why don't you just take that net? <laughs> I'm careful on presenting this part because... There's, it's such a broad part, right? So I'm not saying this is all truth and nothing but the truth right here in this statement that I'm going to make. But we talk about free will quite a bit in the sense of fishing for men, right? They have their own free will. But do they? Because the Bible to me teaches, again, let me finish before you critique what I'm saying too much. But the Bible says that you're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. I don't see free will in that. I see the devil's will or God's will. Nevertheless, your will be done as it is in earth, or as it is in heaven, as it is on earth. Yeah, that. So to me, can you really make a free will judgment decision? If you only know one side of the story. Because while you're out there fishing, you get one-sided stories all the time. What if it was God, he said, hey, just go into all the earth preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand. Go make disciples. Not manipulate disciples. Make disciples. How do you make disciples? By the truth. So what if it's just about getting, this may be a corny reference, but maybe getting the fish in the boat to see who he is. So then they have another side of the story. Because most of us has been taught, most of us, until we get to the point of knowing who God is, most of us are taught that life isn't fair, that we all have our struggles, and my my struggle is probably worse than yours, and you have no idea what I go through. That's what we normally all taught. And if we do that, we could go around this room and find out who had it worse in life. And when we get to that person that had it worse, they have no ability to encourage us on in this walk. They have every right to get us to believe that life's not fair. And I'm not trying to make light of what's happened to us. But are we going to take life personally or the gospel personally? Because what I read about Jesus is nobody's been more wrong than him. And you know what he chose? Love. There it is. L-O-V-E. And he showed me, Daryl, that is the bait I want you to fish with. Every time you cast, cast love. Because even if you had the right bait to make them bite, 
It means nothing if you don't do it with love. The Bible goes so extreme. He says in, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, he says, you can know all mysteries, all knowledge, all language, all, 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 nothing without love. And that's why he asked us to come to him with nothing so that he can give it to us, all of it. But love can't work through anything that's already established. Love is the only thing that can be established because that's what God is, is love. And here's where it gets so cool. The good news, the gospel, the gospel means the good news. The good news about what? The good news about Christ. What's Christ? Love. Listen, Christ didn't do just what he did because he was Christ. He did what he did because he was love. Because Christ himself said, if this bitter cup can pass, let it pass. But I understand this thing. I'm becoming one with you, and I want them to become one with us. And we're going to trade one in for all who come. He's always about multiplying, nothing into all, something out of nothing. He's so much greater than we give him credit for in the moments of struggle. Because we say it, you know, I think even Pastor Wade was talking about it. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not always grass. Is that how you said that? There's not always grass up on that mountain. So just because you're in a high point doesn't mean that helps either. I was listening to this song. I listened to it probably like 30 times this morning with my kids. It's like such an upbeat song. You get it. It starts out and bounces. Next thing you know, you're jumping. <laughs> but it talks about, man, I can't even remember it. I listened to it 30 times. How have I missed it? But it talks about, I know this thing, that I will sing in the mountaintops, and I will, wherever I go, I will sing his praises and what he's done for me. And we get in that valley, and we go, I don't feel like it. Then he takes us to the mountain, and we're like, why, Lord, I should have seen it. I don't know the answer there other than keep reading the word because it says, count it all joy when you face various trials. Here's where it gets tough, right? We're all looking for our calling, right? I'm careful with this because we all do have a calling. But here's the definite calling that we're all called to. It's in 1 Peter. He said, If you suffer for doing wrong and endure it patiently, you should. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, you should. For this is what you've been called to. And we go, God, why am I always the batting post or the whipping post? Why am I? And that's what we're called to. You too will share in Christ's sufferings. So it shows that at least what I learned growing up, what I learned, and I'm just sharing what, I'm learned, what I've learned over time. I'm not saying you had to learn it this way. But in my life, I learned 
that if I ask God, he'll do it for my benefit. Now, it might not have been said that way, but that's how I caught it. So I would get in there, and I'd ask God, and God would not move. But here's the cool thing is God knows, like, what he's put inside of us. And for some odd reason, he put something inside me, and I think he's put something inside all of us, to where even though we may denounce God from time to time, I'm careful with what I say there, but for some odd reason, he comes to us because God is up there going, it's one more case. And it's crazy because something inside us goes, I want to make sure that God is up there. We keep casting towards him. And he keeps setting all this in front of us. We're like, no, we want to be Lord, and I want to catch you, Lord. I want to make sure, before I actually bite any of this, that you're actually on that side throwing that thing. We're trying to reel God our way instead of run to him. But here's what's amazing in the Bible, is there's the prodigal son. The father meets him. Oh, it's so good, guys. There's so, so much in the Bible that shows Jesus will meet you halfway. So it's not even that we're condemned by trying to do that. It's just trying to show that, like, just... Put your pole down and run to him. Whether you got to grab on the hook, bite the hook, taste and see that the Lord is good, whatever it is, grab a hold of that line with all your soul, all your strength, and all your might. Because it's the love lifeline. And when you connect to that line, all things. Wherever he casts you, you're advancing the kingdom every place. Because you're not out there doing it in your own will. He's casting you. But you say, well, well, but if he casts me and I get beaten up, is that his fault? No, he promised you that's going to happen. <laughs> not so funny, I guess, but it is to me. He promised it. Paul, think of Paul. Paul came to this one conclusion. He says, I come to this one conclusion that in every city I come to, chains and whips await me. And he pressed on. And we would tell people, whoa, you can't do that to yourself. But this is what you've been called to. And look, I, I, let me put it this way, too. We all have a different piece in this, okay? I'm bringing the perspective that he comes through me at, right? And we line all our perspectives of this is what the fivefold is do, trying to do in this house. Is here's this perspective, here's this perspective, and here's this perspective. And look at this beautiful picture that he's trying to show his people.
And there's one thing he showed me, and I was growing real weary in it. I really was. But every time I'd see those ones that got away, I would just cast up to them. And I would plead with them, I'm sorry if what I did hurt you. I'm very sorry. I've chose love, and if I've hurt you, I can't keep going on. And I keep casting, just one more cast, Lord. Because listen, we sing this song, and it's beautiful, and I'm not trying to take it in a different realm. I'm showing you what my mind sees, okay? I'm not putting any other side down. I'm just showing you what I see. And it is like one of my favorite songs that we sing here, and it's that song, Maranatha, which means, Lord, come. And man, the first three times I've heard, I heard it, I was over there, Maranatha, you know. <laughs> Lord, come. And then all of a sudden, it hit me. And I go, Lord, I don't know if we're ready for you yet. There are so many fish out there that don't even know you're coming. Hold up. And it makes me want to run out to every lake, out to every pond I possibly can before he comes. I'm not saying stop telling him to come. We need him to come. That's the point, right? But I don't want anybody to fall through the cracks. I don't want anybody to be in the lake of the living God and end up having to serve their time and eternity in the lake of fire. And I don't know what lakes we're all, what we all belong to, right? That's some of the biggest things that can be the stumbling blocks for us Christians. It's trying to put fish in the wrong pond. I don't know. I don't even mean to go in there, but like, because we're so different, right? And we know what God told us. The one thing I will encourage you in, if anybody's encouraging you to do better, just take it that way. And understand what God has told you and hold on to it, but not in a selfish sense. Because I do know this thing. In 2 Philippians, he says, have the mind of Christ, where he thought of himself of no reputation of his divinity, and he took the lowly place as a servant, and he thought everybody above him. He says, have that kind of mindset. Not the mindset of his ways are way past of anything I can understand. It says the mystery is revealed through Christ. And the mystery of Christ is love, right? Love. Think of yourself as lower than everybody else around you. Put their, take, it says, don't just take interest into your own, what does it say? Your own things that you're doing. But take interest into others, what they're doing. So can we get this, this mindset of fish, not being fishermen, but fishers of men. And understanding that he's the one telling us, left, right, over there, over here. And it's no longer on you to do it. I think Ken said that this morning. 
It's not on you to do it. And Brittany was even talking about, you know, royalty doesn't fight for themselves. So here, here's where I want to go with this. And he gave this to me. And I, I like bawled over it because like I've never felt like he's given me this understanding. And maybe it'd be foolish to most. But to me, it was like he talked to me in Daryl form. And it was like, nobody can take this from me. And I'm just excited to share it with you guys. So let's, let's picture God, right? Whatever God looks like, try it. He said, you can't, but go ahead and try it. <laughs> nobody understands what he looks like. He's invisible. But is he? Art invisible makes sense that you can't see it. But there's evidence of God, right? So anyway, let's not go down that road. Weird myself out. Um, but let's, let's say he's up there, right? He's just up there casting down to us. He uses this bait called the Ten Commandments. And he throws it down there. Got a few bites. He ended up with, uh, what's his name, Enoch? Got an Enoch. I don't know, there was somebody else that I think did pretty well with those Ten Commandments. But it didn't catch a lot, right? And I don't think God went up there and goes, ah, oh, this bait's garbage. I think he knew what he was doing. Because God's bigger than, like, the average fisherman, right? We're trying to outsmart the fish. He's so smarter <laughs> than the fish. He's trying to teach us with bait, right? But he showed me this, and it's so amazing. Could you just see God up there, Gabriel, and uh, Michael on the side of him, the archangels? Are they biting today? Not really. But I'm in the process of making a bait that's irresistible. I'm in a process of just getting the water in the right temperature to where they have got to see this for their own good. And all of a sudden, he casts out there, right? The pole goes. And Michael goes. What do you got, Lord? He goes, oh, it's a holy nation. <laughs> Gabriel's on the other side going, what is it? It's a royal priesthood. What bait are you using this time, Lord? It's the firstborn. And he reels it in. And he holds it up. He says to this I am well pleased in. <laughs> and he, if you really see it, he said, now you go. Throw your nets. Because he is the firstborn among any. 
Kim, you're a many. Bev, you're a many. Brittany, Becky, Sophie, Amber, you guys are many. And it's all about understanding our manyness for the wonderfulness that he's prepared for us. He hasn't, <laughs> he didn't prepare a hot skillet for us to go to. He prepared a dining table that we're going to feast at. And we're betrothed to this one husband. And his name is Jesus. So if you can think of fishing just even in a little bit different way, of fishing for men, it's not about catching. That's not our job. Our job is to fish. And I can break it down just a little bit simpler outside of fishing terms for just one second. He said this is a wedding that he's preparing, right? Imagine you marrying the greatest person that you could ever imagine, the one that you thought about when you were young, the one that you dreamed about. And it exceeded, and that, that husband that you're about to marry or wife super exceeds anything you could ever ask or think. Matter of fact, even looks out for the best in you and prepares greatness for you. Don't you think we would run everywhere and invite everybody to this wedding if he said, hey, there's no price limit. As much as we can fill in here, we want in here. We want everybody celebrating this thing. So our job is not to indoctrinate everybody. Our job is not to manipulate people into believing this gospel. It says, show yourself approved. Not preach, not even teach. Show. Your life is a living epistle that men will read. So you go inviting, and you put on love, And when things hit you, so to speak, try to bite at you, the Word of God is your sword. So when you get slapped on the right cheek, you already know what the Bible asks of you. Offer up the left as well. Well, that's not fair. I didn't say it was. I'm just saying that's what it says. And if our life is not our own, and our will is not our own. We've traded in free will for his will. It's no longer about how life goes well for me. Because I've learned this one thing. Let me find it in here. It's in Luke 6, I do believe. Seven. No? Nope. All right, Lord. 
you want me to read it? Let me find it. Well, I can't find it for the exact quotation, but I know it's here in Luke 6, 7, or 8. But he talks about hearing his word and obeying it. And he talks about foundations. He talks about if somebody comes and hears what I say and obeys it, it's like a builder that builds a strong foundation so when the winds and waves come against it, it'll hold. But if you do not obey it, your foundation is weak, like on sandy soil, and it's washed away. Every time Jesus healed, he said, go and sin no more, for your faith has made you well. You say, yeah, but that's impossible to obey everything. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, not as a threat but as a promise, because love never fails. So it's just a byproduct of the tree that you become. You become one with the vine dresser, right? All that stuff. And he says, you come to me saying, Lord, but you don't listen. Lord means the governing factor. So it's hypocrisy to call him Lord and disobey him. Because he's not your Lord. But we give authority to people to be our Lord. They did me wrong. Therefore, I can't be okay. And we can, we can cut off people and think we've won the fight. And 10 years down the road, their name gets said and your stomach curls. And it shows that they've been shaping and molding you this entire time. And they might as well take a pen out and sign the bottom of your life as they were your Lord. And I'm not saying that in condemnation, I'm saying it as let the mystery be revealed that he's our Lord. No matter what people do to us, if they do us wrong, we're going to do them right. As you tell me, if there's a chapter in the Bible that says Jesus, while he was carrying the cross, goes, they're nuts, I'm done with them. They don't get it. We heal their sick, we raise their dead, and they still don't get it. They're still killing me. If they throw one more rock at me, I'm done. Imagine Jesus getting analytical with all this. But he didn't, did he? He goes, forgive them, Lord. He don't know. He says this awesome statement. He says, follow me. Not emotions, not desires but me. And I think the all-knowing, all-powerful God up there knows what he's doing. And if he says, follow him, I think we should make that Lord and go, okay, I'm following you, but I need help. I think it's okay to ask for help. I think that's the whole point of it, right? 
Because also in Luke, I think it's also in Matthew 5, it's called the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. We've learned these things, right? We've learned it takes two to tango, right? But I've learned in my Bible it only takes one to pursue peace. And he's called you to make peace. So as we get hung up on things, as life and addictions and whatever may try to come our way, the frustration of trying our best and it not quite enough. As those frustrations also hit my life, I ask you to join me and just cast again. Because loved ones turn away, right? I don't know why. I haven't worked that one out. It says once you come in the hands of the Father, no one can take you from him. So I'm going to stand on the truth, not what I see. And I'm going to proclaim that you can make it look like you took them. You can dangle your bait all you want, Satan. But you better close those gates because we're coming. We're going to storm the hell on earth and advance the kingdom. Because Jesus said, say, go preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. What's it mean? It's within reach. It backs us. You may think this little line connected to me is nothing, but it says the kingdom of God is not of talk but of power. And when you pull this word down, you're going to see it work because this word does not return void. So as we go out this week, can I challenge you to fish for men, to cast your nets, and it doesn't look, have to look like effort. It could be simply going, how are you doing today, to a stranger. It could be watching somebody panicking because they can't find their wallet. And if you tend to have the funds that can help, why would you do that? And you can choose because I love you, or you can choose like I would. You want to hear the gospel? You're going to get it anyway. <laughs> it doesn't have to look one way. Jesus didn't do it one way. One time he spit and sand and cured a blind. One time he just said, you're healed. <laughs> I don't know why he chose it. I think to show us that it's not one way. It's the way. If you put on love, there's no wrong in it. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it because you love. Because the one that called you loves you. We don't obtain love just to feel loved. We obtain it so it can flow through us. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.